Greetings and welcome to an Odyssey and Torch. Unless you're an oddball like me or have trained in memory techniques, most likely you've never heard of the Baker-Baker paradox. It's one of those psychological tests that have us scratching our head when we discover the results. Here's how it goes. Either two individuals or a group of individuals that have been divided into two groups are shown a photograph. The first individual or group is told the picture is of a person with the last name of Baker. The second individual or group is shown the exact same photo but are told the photo is of a Baker, as in a profession, making no reference to this person's name. A few days later, the test participants are shown the same photo. They're asked to recall what they were told about the photograph. The group or individual shown the photo-vocation combination always has a much higher recall than does the group shown the photo-name combo. In fact, the recall of the photo-name group is almost always abysmal. Oh, I forgot his name. My God, I can't remember names. I'm just terrible with names. Why is this? Baker as a surname, like all surnames, is just another abstract sound with no other context. Now, when we are told a person is a baker, that comes with context and triggers associative memory, and our minds take flight. We think of Grandma's house, the bakery across the street from our middle school, our local grocery store when French bread is baking in the oven. This paradox gives us insight into the potential prodigious powers and capabilities of our memory if and only if we learn to use it in a certain way, which most of us don't. Greetings once again and welcome to an Odyssey into Oratory. If the spirit so moves you, please follow if you're listening and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube with either please like, comment, and share as I'm your grateful host, Dan Riley. During a previous podcast on how to craft a speech, which I'll put a link in the description below, I referenced a memory technique I often used instead of an index card. But I didn't elaborate on that technique at that time. Well, today I'm going to do that. Like so many other things in this Odyssey into Oratory, we need to go back to the ancient Greeks for their origin. As with many other aspects of modern society, we can trace memory techniques back to the immortal Greeks. Virtually all current memory techniques, the first letter text method, the peg system, the link system, and the memory palace are all derivatives of something called the method of loci. Loci is Latin for places. If you're wondering why a Latin word and not a Greek word, well, like many other foundations in Western culture, this technique, while originally from Greece, was a collaboration between the Greeks and the Romans. The strategy for this memory technique is to use images of our familiar spatial environments and link new pictures to them, those we are attempting to memorize. As part of our evolution, our brain records, encodes, then recovers the spatial information needed to plan a route to a specific location and to recall that route and location on demand. If our ancestors set up their shelter in the forest, but their food supply came from a lake a mile away, to survive they had to remember how to get to the lake and how to get back to the shelter again. And to accomplish this, signposts of that trip were encoded. The tree knocked over on the path. 
the creek bed to the left, and the eagle's nest in the oak tree east of the sun. Our brains have so evolved that we all have instant recall of any physical environment we habitually habitate or have habitually habitated. If you are not driving, close your eyes right now. Think about a house or an apartment you lived in when you were about 13 years old. In your mind, I bet you can travel from the front of that building and through all the rooms, noticing specific chairs, couches, tables, tile floor patterns, kitchen counters, washing machines, a barbecue, a fireplace, and where the television was and what was on top of it. If you did, congratulations. You just created what is called a memory palace. This is the most popular of all the memory techniques and the one most widely used by memory contestant champions. In case you weren't aware, there are several memory contests every year all over the world. Now, how do we use this palace to memorize new things? We do that by placing the new things on existing structures in your palace. For example, if I wanted to memorize a to-do list for tomorrow, get my oil change, pick up dry cleaning, buy some ink for my, for my printer, feed the neighbor's dog, and call my mother in Florida. Here's how I would do it using the memory palace. Using the same example we just used, the house I grew up in will be my memory palace. As I begin walking up the long flight of stairs, it's blocked by a large red Volkswagen leaking oil like a river down the street. I climb over the Volkswagen on my way to the back door, the way I always entered the house. Hanging on the doorknob is a bright leprechaun green tuxedo. The first room I walk in is the kitchen, and on the kitchen table is a six-foot pink inkjet printer. As I pass it on the way to the family room, sitting on my dad's chair is a purple golden retriever. My last stop is my bedroom, and on my bed is a life-size portrait of my mother in a clown suit. Okay, now it's the next day. Time to get my to-do list done. As I walk through my old house in my mind, the one I moved out of over 40 years ago, those images are still there and are obvious symbols to me of what I need to do. Here are the keys to making this process work. The images you create need to be outrageous and colorful and in a different color than they exist in reality. Pink Elephant now serves as a universal reference to this concept. You must always use the same route when mentally walking through your palace. And prior to using this technique, you'll need to set up a very specific template with predetermined amount of stations. What location do you want to use? If not a living quarters, a walk route you take daily, a church, your Tai Chi park, your place of business. The key is to make it a place you already know inside and out. Famed hypnotist Darren Brown uses a walk route through the city of London. He has 600 physical structures he uses as permanent stations. Another popular method for remembering lists is called stacking. Let's say you need 10 items from the grocery store. You would replace the words of those items with images and stack those images one on top of another. Here we go. 
Imagine a pack of challenge butter laying on a football field. It's the exact same size as the football field and lays perfectly over it. Laying on top of that, but only three quarters the size, is a box of Wheaties. And sitting on the Wheaties box is a giant milkman dressed in all white with flowing golden hair like Jesus. Stretched across his lap is a large teeter-totter made of a slab of bacon. On one end of this teeter-totter is a chicken. On the other end is a cow which forces the chicken up. In one hand, the milkman is squeezing a peanut so large it grows through the roof of the stadium. In the other hand is a bottle of Budweiser beer, just as tall. And coming out of one ear is a banana, out of the other ear is a jalapeno pepper. Now when you get to the grocery store, begin to recall the picture you created, either by unstacking it or recall the process of stacking it. What do you have? Butter, cereal, milk, bacon, chicken, hamburger, peanuts, beer, bananas, and jalapenos. There's your list. What you need to know about all these memory techniques is that they all use the right hemisphere of the brain. And that's the secret to the unbelievable feats performed by memory experts all over the world. Most people attempt to memorize using the left hemisphere by trying to recall words with no visual association. That's why it takes so long and is so frustrating. The key is to convert words to pictures, outrageous pictures at that. When our brain is functioning optimally, that's what it does. Studies show we even create visual images to accompany our own uncensored self-talk. The the Silva method teaches a pegging system. It works in the same way, but with a different template. Using this method, one pegs new information to an existing existing string of data already established in their long-term memory. A very popular template for pegging is the alphabet. Every person whose native language is English has memorized the alphabet. Okay, let's relate this technique to public speaking. I have already drafted a speech and I want to give it using no notes at all. This is very easy to do using the pegging system. The speech is on the benefits of learning to play a musical instrument. It's already drafted. I've gone through the process of brainstorming, creating an outline, reducing the outline to an index card, and have practice to the point where I'm ready to give the speech. But now I want to ditch the index card and speak with no notes. There are six phrases or bullet points on the card. The first one for the opening, three bullets for the body of the speech, one for the conclusion, and the last bullet for a call to action. I'll use an alphabet letter linked to an animal image to replace my six bullets from the index card. Here's my opening. An alligator dragging Leonardo da Vinci out out of a river. This refers to my opening quote and introduction. A buffalo running across the plains with my mother and a piano on its back refers to the body, point one. A purple cheetah chasing my sister on a frozen lake refers to the body, point two. A snow white deer eating Elton John refers to body, point three. A yellow elephant standing on its hind legs with a megaphone in its mouth refers to my conclusion. A green giraffe with Mozart hanging around its neck refers to my call to action. 
So as I move through the speech, I already know my ABCs. They're already deeply embedded in my mind. So I can bypass any conscious thought of them and go straight to the image of the animal that represents each letter. In doing so, I have instant recall of the points that were on my index card. These images I created would be total nonsensical to anybody but me, but to me, they encompass even broader meaning than the bullet phrases they represent and ultimately replaced, enabling me to give a speech with no notes at all. Believe me, I've just scratched the surface with all that can be done with memory techniques and visual imagery. Just like we could all strum a guitar or bang keys on a piano, we could all make pictures in our minds. But the distance between the amateur and the virtuoso in both disciplines is vast. As one develops these memory techniques, they are simultaneously developing the skill of visualization, which has applications far beyond improving one's memory. But like any other skill, it takes lots of practice. But I'll tell you this from experience. If you take the time to develop this skill, the benefits you will accrue will be out of all proportion to the effort you extend. Now for my usual pleading. If you are listening, please follow me on your podcasting hosting site. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, like, and share. In doing so, you'll be placing this Irishman forever in your debt. For my part, that's all there is today. This is Dan Riley taking you on an odyssey into oratory. Until next time, throw the bowling sail away from the sea. Catch the trade winds in your sail. We're on the move now.